This Student Ministry 127 podcast is a lesson taught by Brother Larry Chapel during a Wednesday night teen Bible study at Lancaster Baptist Church. Brother Chapel is a graduate of West Coast Baptist College and now serves as the Senior High Youth Pastor at Lancaster Baptist Church. For more sermon resources, please visit preaching.lancasterbaptist.org. I was sitting back in team Bible study a couple weeks ago, and Brother Schmidt started talking about uh, back in the day when he used to find a love letter. And, and he'd find that love letter, and maybe he'd open the love letter, and uh, from time to time, maybe threaten to read it. Sometimes he'd act as if, and he was telling you guys uh, how he would act as if he found a really, really good love letter, and, uh, or, or maybe not even a really good love letter, maybe something that wasn't supposed to be written. Sometimes he'd get up in chapel, and I can remember that because that's exactly when I was in the youth group. People were always writing uh, notes back and forth, and sometimes Brother Schmidt would go up. And uh, towards the end, when I became you know, an upperclassman, and he, I'd seen him do this a few times, I figured out what he was doing. I didn't fall for it as often. But, man, when I was like in seventh and eighth grade, he got up and he'd hold the note. I'm like, man, I found this, and I don't know who wrote it. Or actually, I do know who wrote it. It's got their name on there, and I'm thinking, I'm thinking, oh, I wonder who wrote that. I'm starting to guess. I bet it was so-and-so. I bet it was so-and-so to so-and-so, and I, get, I bet it's talked about this and that. And I used to just, I, I never, I knew, no girls ever wrote me notes, so I knew it wasn't my note. But I'd still, I'd get really nervous. And it, I, it wasn't even my note, and I'm thinking, what, what, if I, what if I wrote a note? What if someone forged a note with my name on it? And, he, and it wasn't, it was all fake. No one even wrote the note. But he started talking, he's telling that story, and, uh, he, he, and if you remember, uh, he said, man, people don't even hardly write notes anymore because people text. You know, we don't, we don't sit down and write notes. When we send, we just, if we think of something, right there, we pull out our phones and we send a quick text message, okay? Texting's a fairly new phenomenon. I remember the first time I ever heard of anyone texting uh, was when I was on a missions trip in the Philippines. Uh, some of you guys have emailed me about the missions trip to the Philippines. We're going to take that next year. Uh, that's going to be an exciting time. We'll get you more details about that. But I remember when I was... In the Philippines, and the missionary said, have you ever heard of texting? I'm like, I, I don't even know what you're talking about. And he said, look, all, all, the, all the teenagers here in the Philippines do it because it's much cheaper than talking. And he starts pointing out different people that are texting. I'm thinking, those poor people, they can't afford to talk on the phone. They have to type their sentences out. And I'm like, well, what, what a pain it would be. And then, lo and behold, it's a normal part of our lives. And if we, I actually, how many of you guys are like me, you prefer maybe to send a text message over a conversation on the phone. If you're like that, I just I don't like talking on the phone to people, talking on the phone to people, because mainly I don't like people, but I, I don't mind texting them. Uh, so that's actually, for some people, that is a preferred method of communication. I'm going to text something to somebody. And uh, sometimes we'll even ignore a real-life conversation. You might be talking to your parents, you might be talking to a friend, you might be talking to your aunt that came into town, and all of a sudden uh, you're... you're Girls, your purse buzzes, and you know you got a text message. Your guys, you, you feel the, the phone uh, vibrate, and you know you got a text message. And sometimes we even ignore real-life conversations to answer that text message. We don't even know who it was that just texted us. We just felt that we got a text. Here we are. We could be talking to the President of the United States. We could be talking to the principal. And our, our curiosity was just, I wonder who this is, you know? And... Uh, and, 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 and then we go, we, we say, hey, let me, I'm sorry, let me silence that. If it actually, if you didn't have your ringer off, and you go, let me silence that, and you go, and then you read it real quick and put it back in your, in your pocket. Uh, we, uh, we're used to sending text messages, and, and sometimes we'll ignore real-life conversations to answer a text. One thing, and, and you've heard this before, uh, 
if you've ever texted your friend and then you don't hear back from them, how many of you ever text or called a friend and you could see them and they didn't answer it? Anyone ever had that happen? Uh, I've done that before. Like, I'm so busy today, I'm running, and someone texts me. I pull out my phone. Oh, I don't have time to talk to him. Silence it. Go, oh, hey, you just texted me, you know. And they just saw me. They're, they're like trying to catch me across the parking lot, so they thought it would be funny to text them. Joke's on them. I ignore them because I don't like them. Uh, <laughs> but, we, but we always ask this question. Uh, the question is not, did you read my text message? The question is, hey, did you get my text message? Uh, did you get my text message I sent you? Because the implication is if you've got it, you've read it. Um, no one ever says, yeah, I got it, but I'm just not a reader. So I got your text, but I didn't read it. In fact, I had to text Brother Hauk. Anytime I start to text a certain age group, okay, someone taught my grandma how to text. She's retired and has, she has nothing else to do but text us all the time. And actually, it's a blessing. She texts nice things. But I know if I'm getting to a certain age group, and you guys know this as well, if you're going to text a certain age level, they may or may not even know how to do it. So uh, someone, someone asked me, hey, does Brother Hauk have texting on his phone? I have no idea. They're like, I have, a, I have an important thing I need to tell him. I'm like, I don't know if he does or doesn't. So I text Brother Hauk. I'm like, Brother Hauk, do you have texting on your phone? And I didn't get a response. And, and later that day, I called his office. I'm like, do you have texting? He's like, yeah, I think so. And he's like, I hear him on the phone inbox oh yeah what's this who's this and he's, he's like reading my number off yeah I don't know brother Hauk do you have texting I'm like yeah that's me that's the text I sent you earlier he's like yeah I guess I have texting I'm like okay well someone might text you so however you went and found this message go back again like in an hour or two and and some people don't necessarily know how to text but we always ask did you get my text uh, not did you read it and and it's no it's no secret tonight that as we gather in here tonight, we're going to talk about the text message that God sent us. And when I used to be in Sunday school class when I was a little kid, they always talked about this is God's love letter, okay? But love letters are becoming obsolete because now we just send text messages back and forth. And two things about text messages, and these, these are just all by way of introduction. This isn't in your notes yet, but if you want to write it down. Two things about a text message, why we care so much. First of all, it's personal. If someone texts you, most likely it's because you've already got them in your contact, your, your address book. You already know who it's coming from. Okay, 99% of all text messages that I get, when it comes up, it gives me the number of who just texted me. And so it's pretty obvious, oh, this is, this is from brother husband. This is from my wife. I can see uh, if someone sends me a text, I know it's personal. If I get a phone call, it's not always the case. A lot of times maybe it's an advertisement. Maybe it's, maybe it's someone who, who knows me, someone's asking me. So sometimes I, what I like to do if someone calls me and I don't recognize the number, just send them a voicemail, listen to the voicemail, it's important, I call them back. But if you get a text message, it's personal. Uh, the other thing about text messages is that it's current. When someone sends you a text, you know they sent it like just a few seconds ago. Uh, if, if my phone goes off right now, you know that someone just sent that. And I'm gonna, we're going to study the Word of God in just a minute, but I want you to remember those two things. First of all, it's personal. It's personal. God's word is personal. We know who it's from. We know who the author is. The author is God. The second thing is it's current. You say, Brother Chapel, it's like the oldest book known to man. Uh, the lessons, the principles found in God's word are so applicable to us today. The Bible is an amazing book. It's God's book. It's God's message to us. I'm going to tell you guys a few things about the Bible. Uh, there's some application here, and here's the thing. 
that you can ask yourself even right now, and we'll get to it later. How, how often do I read God's Word? How big a part of my life is God's Word? And we're going to study some of those things, but I, I want to whet your appetite for some of you that maybe don't read God's words regularly. The first thing uh, I want to say, I just want to give you a few facts about God's Word. The Bible is actually a collection of books. If you've gone to a Christian school, you know this. There's 66 books in the Bible. There's two major divisions, Old and New Testament. Uh, the Bible is written over a period of 1,500 years by 40 different authors with three languages with one divine message. That's the message of redemption. I know we cover those things fast, but if you stop and think about it, there's no other book that compares. Uh, there in the Bible between the Old and New Testament, there was 400 silent years. No one wrote anything in the Bible. And can you imagine after 400 years of not writing, just as it was prophesied, the Bible picked up again with the New Testament. The Bible is a miraculous book. The Bible is miraculous because it's historically accurate. Uh, at times, uh, uh, even in recent years, they've found ancient civilization that verified things the Bible said that people, historians said, oh, that can't be true. The Bible, hey, guys in the back. Last warning. The Bible is scientifically accurate. Uh, there's nothing in the Bible that's not scientifically true. Even when, things, even when things like people thought the world was flat, the Bible tells us that the world is round. So the Bible is an amazing book. Uh, here's a couple facts about the Bibles. 168,000 Bibles are distributed uh, daily. That's a lot of Bibles being distributed. It's the most uh, widely printed book in the history. And there's no other in the history of mankind. There's no other book that's going to catch up with it. Uh, here's a couple little other facts about the Bible. There are 49 different foods mentioned in the Bible. Uh, that's very important. So if you're hungry, you don't want to pick one of those passages. Uh, the Bible can be read. Listen to this. The Bible can be read in 70 hours out loud. Uh, sometimes you think, oh, man, I could never read the Bible in my lifetime. It's so, so big and thick and big words. And really, listen, if you just start reading it, it won't really even take that long to, to read through it. Uh, here's another fact. I thought this was very important. It tells us a lot about Jesus. Uh, the only domestic animal not mentioned in the Bible is the cat. It tells us that Jesus was a dog person. He doesn't like cats. Um, and I have a cat. Cats are actually uh, manifestations of demons. Now listen. Shh. Hey. Shh. There's a reason. There's a reason Jesus never talked about cats. Because they are demons in disguise. This is my demon. Apple. And uh, how many of you guys say, Brother Chapel, we don't have a cat. I would never own a cat. Okay, I'm a cat hater. Okay, let me show you the next slide. Now you know why I have the cat. So I can <laughs> wrap, wrap up my cat. Uh, if my cat misbehaves, that's what happens to my cat. <laughs> no, no, let me tell you guys what happened. Shh. Let me tell you what happened. I, uh, I was sitting there at home one day. My wife was gone. This was, this was a couple years ago during the summer. And I was just kind of bored. And I had painter's tape right there. And I put a piece of tape on my cat. I thought my cat would freak out. Most cats do when you put tape on it. My cat just laid there. So I just kept on going. <laughs> so, okay, we can take that off. So those are a few facts about the Bible. Some of you say, look up here. Some of you say, Brother Chapel, I'm still not impressed. Okay, I've heard this before. I've grown up in church my whole life. And this is, guys, this is where it gets dangerous for you to say, I know the Bible. I'm familiar with it. I have to memorize it in school. We have to read it. I know every story there is in the Bible. I'm just, it's, it's been such a part of my life for so long that you can lose the impact that the Bible has. Uh, and you say, so I'm still not impressed. You tell me these facts, and I, they just go over my head. Here's a couple more. Uh, in the Bible, uh, there's the story of the donkey who spoke. There's the story of the army. 
of 850,000 people that were destroyed in one night? Some of you guys say, yeah, I've seen that movie. Okay, this is not a movie. This is real life. Okay, think about that. Um, I think sometimes we're so desensitized by uh, surround sound and uh, 1080p movies and sound effects, and we, and, and we lose, fact, <laughs> lose sight of the fact that that is not true at all. But you come to the Bible, and we can read a verse like the one in Isaiah 37, 36, that tells us that 185,000 people, an army, was slaughtered in one night. Uh, that's unbelievable. Well, we can kind of read over it and maybe even yawn as we do because uh, we, don't, we don't put ourselves in these situations. Uh, what else does the Bible tell us? There's a story about the, the woman that killed the man by driving a nail through his head. That'd make a great movie. Here's the other one. Uh, some of you guys say, Brother Chapel, I'm still not impressed, okay? First of all, you're a loser. God's word is miraculous, okay? And we've had a little bit of fun, but let me have your attention back up this way because we've got some important things to discuss. God's Word is a miraculous book. It's an interesting book. It's, it's an inspired book. Guys, that means that it's a God-breathed book. So when you're reading this, this is not a collection of books written by man. This is the, the book given from the very mouth of God. It is a God-breathed, inspired, perfect, interesting, applicable. And what we read just a moment ago, it is a profitable book. It will add value to your life. Without this book, you're going to miss the most important things in life because it's through this book that we understand who God is and what God wants for our life. So this is vitally important. And as I said a moment ago, the danger is say, yeah, I grew up in church and I go to the youth group and I have 18 Bibles at home and, and, and totally grow numb to the fact that this is really God's word and God does speak to us through his word. So why should we read God's word? And we're going to cover a few of these, and we'll go pretty quickly. A few reasons why we should read God's word. And as we cover these, turn to Psalm 119. Turn to Psalm 119. Psalm 119, if you take your Bibles and split it about in half, you'll come to pretty close to Psalm 119. Psalm 119 it's, if you've read it before, if you're familiar with it, it's a long passage. You can just look at it right there in the Scripture. And, and in, this, in this passage, David is describing predominantly just about every verse has to do with God's Word. And he's taking every, every letter of the alphabet, and, and with that he's writing a stanza of seven or eight verses about the Bible. And, and really, you could write so much about the Bible. And that's exactly what David's doing here. He's, he's talking about how great the Bible is. So why should we read the Bible? You come to about verse 97 is where we're going to start, and we get some pretty awesome reasons to read it. Verse number 97 says this, Oh, how love I thy law. It is my meditation all the day. So the first thing I'm going to say, read it to get in love with it. Read it to get in love with it. Or read it to fall in love with it. You say... You say, well, I don't, I don't love the Bible at this point. You know, to me, it's boring and it's archaic. And but you've never given it a chance. Okay, here's how it goes. If you've ever watched maybe a good movie that you've, man, I love that. What'd you do? You watched it first, then you fell in love with it. Some of you guys think that you, you're. Some of you think, uh, man, the Bible is so boring. You've never even given it a chance. Read it to fall in love with it. 
Uh, oh, how I love thy wall. It is my meditation all the day. David, as he's writing this, he really only had the first seven ch- books in the Bible. Uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Judge, Joshua, Judges. Those are the only books that David had when he wrote this. But he's, yet, as he wrote it, let me tell you this. Of all the books in the Bible, the first seven, guys, look up here. The first seven, guys in the back row, look up here. The first seven books of the Bible are not the most interesting in my opinion. But, you know, those are the books that David had. Those are the books that God gave David. And David said, I love this. I love your word, God. And he fell in love with God's word and he read it. And you say, yeah, but, I mean, that was a long time ago. David didn't have TV and David didn't have an iPod. David didn't have internet and all these things. Uh, Look, at the time when David wrote this passage about the Bible, the books that he did have were several hundred years old. So he could have said, oh yeah, that's old, that's that's hundreds of years old. But you know what? David read it and he fell in love with it. He says, oh, how I love thy law. Read it to fall in love with it. Secondly, read it to get wisdom. Read it to get wisdom. Verse number 98, next verse. Through thy commandments hast, uh, uh, thou through thy commandments hast made me wiser than mine enemies, for they are ever with me. So first of all, read it to fall in love with it. Not, Not because you even love it initially. Give the Bible a chance, <clears throat> and as if you read it and you follow God's Word, you're going to fall in love with it. Love the Word of God. Cherish the Word of God. It is a gift to us. Read it to get wisdom. Read it to get wisdom. Thou through thy commandments have made me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me. Uh, Israel, the children of Israel, they were not always the most well-equipped. They didn't have the best armor. They didn't always have, there were a lot of times they were even outnumbered. But because of God's word, they were given wisdom. And a lot of times, through, their, through the wisdom they found in God's word, they could even outmaneuver their enemies. So read God's word to get wisdom in your life, to gain God's view. That's what, when we read the Bible, we're getting God's perspective. Read the Bible to get God's perspective. A lot of us spend too much time asking our friends their opinion and and. and, and checking every page on Facebook to see what someone might think about this or that. Look, get God's perspective on every matter of your life. Read God's word to get wisdom. He says, uh, for they are ever with me. <clears throat> what he's saying here is that when you, when you absorb God's word into your life and when you read it on a regular basis and it becomes a part of your life, there are going to be times, guys, look up here, back row, look up here. There are going to be times when you're going to need a verse to come to your memory to help you to withstand temptation, to help you as you share the gospel. And, and David's saying, your, your precepts, your law, your word is ever with me. Read God's word and you'll gain wisdom at the appropriate times. The right verses will come to mind. So then thirdly, read it to get smart. Read it to get smart. Look at verse number 99. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for thy testimonies are my meditation. Okay? So, the Bible talks about how when you read it, you get God's wisdom, you get God's perspective on it. But literally, the Bible promises as we read God's word, we we grow intellectually. We get smarter. David said, I'm smarter than my teachers. Okay? Uh, that's, That's not often able to be said. Read it to get... Wisdom from God, but as you read it, you gain intellect. 
You say, well, the Bible doesn't make sense to me. I just can't understand those big words. Okay, well, if you never try to read those big words, you're not going to understand them. Read the Bible and you'll gain wisdom, God's perspective, and you'll, you'll actually gain intellect as well. So read it to get wisdom. Read it to get smart. What else? Read it to get insight. Look at verse number 100. To get insight. I understand, and I love this, verse, this word we're about ready to read. I understand more than the ancients. Okay, what is that? You look that up. That is old people. Okay, I love that word. I, I, I see certain old people. I won't name any names in our church. I think of this biblical word, the ancients. Uh, I understand, he says, more than the ancients because I have kept thy precept. Uh, when, when we see that word understanding, insight is when, when you read God's word, you're going to get God's insight on things, and you're going to see things that aren't necessarily obvious to other people. Okay? Read God's word to get insight. Read it to get insight. Listen to this. Look at this verse one more time. Look at verse 100. What are the last five words of that verse? Look at it, and let's read it out loud together. Because I keep thy precepts. Because I keep thy precepts. I understand more than the ancients. Why? Because I keep thy precepts. Now look at again. Why did he have this wisdom and insight? Because he read the Bible. And when he read the Bible, he gained insight. And he gained wisdom. It's not, you don't read it simply to gain it, but that is the byproduct of it. So read the, God's word to gain insight. Next. I believe letter, letter E in your notes. Read it to get strength. Read it to get strength. Verse 101, I have refrained my feet from every evil way that I might keep thy word. Read it to get strength. Look, there's some things, guys, maybe it's a, a, a sin that you've been struggling with that you've thought for forever, man, I, just, I need help in this area. I just can't do it on my own. It's exactly right. You can't. Read God's word and you'll get strength. Uh, you guys are living in an incredibly difficult time. The world is getting uh, less and less friendly to Christians, and you guys are going to need the strength to take a stand. If you don't have the strength to stand, you're in for a lot of trouble. Read God's Word, and you'll get some spiritual strength. So even when something's difficult, even when it's not popular, you'll be able to stand and take a stand for God. Next, letter F. Read it to get instruction from God. Read it to get instruction from God. Now listen, verse 102. I have not departed from thy judgments, for thou hast taught me. Okay, listen to this. Everyone look up here. This is God, through his word, personally teaching you. How many of you guys would love just a minute to maybe sit one-on-one across from a great athlete like Kobe Bryant and just just get some one-on-one instruction? Okay? Or feel, hey, Fill in your blank. Whatever, whatever your favorite team is, whatever your star is, that's the point. How many of you would give them your undivided attention? How many of you would listen to what they have to say? Because maybe they know a little bit about basketball or about football. They've got, they've got some understanding about the sport. Listen to God because, listen to His Word because this is literally instruction from God. Look, God wants to tell you something. And he's telling it to you through his word. 
We read God's Word to get instruction from Him. Now, I'm telling you, some people, their relationship with God is so one way, and it's all, God, can you do this? Can you let me make this team? Can you allow me to have this happen in my life? Can, can, can I get this job down the road? Can this happen? It's all about, God, can you do this? Can you do this? Can you do this? And you know what? God's greatest gift to you is that He wants to give you some instruction. He wants to teach you some things. But as you approach the Word of God, you've got to listen to that. You've got to apply it to your life. So read God's Word to get instruction because literally this is God teaching you. Thomas Jefferson had a Bible, and they call it the Jefferson Bible. Thomas Jefferson, as he read through the Jefferson Bible, there were so many things in the Bible that he thought that cannot possibly be true. So everything in the Bible that was of miraculous nature, every miracle, everything that was not probable, everything that God obviously worked to make happen, Jefferson took a pair of scissors and cut those stories out of the Bible. And in his mind, he was leaving it with the more factual version of the Bible, and he cut out God's Word. And he cut out some of the most incredible parts of God's Word. You know, I, I doubt that any of us in this room have taken a pair of scissors to the Bible, but we've done that with the way we live. God tells us to do something, and we don't like it, so we just cut it out, metaphorically speaking, like it never was even in the Bible. Like the Bible doesn't even say that. Read the Bible to get instruction from God. God is trying to teach you something. So when the Bible is open, have a respect for it. Not simply because I'm up here, or Brother Schmidt's up here, or Pastor's up here. Not because you respect us, but because you respect the Word of God. In biblical times, they wouldn't even sit on soft, padded pews when the Word of God was read. They'd read it for hours at times, standing up in the heat of the day because of their respect for the Word of God. The Muslims, they respect their book. It's not even a holy book. They respect it so much that they'll never drop this Bible below their waist because they hold it in such high esteem. And some of your guys' Bibles right now, as we speak, is crammed at the bottom of your locker, torn up in horrible condition because you have no value for the instruction that God is trying to give you. So read the Bible to get instruction from it. What else do we see? Read your Bible, letter G, to get satisfied, to get satisfaction. Verse number 103, how sweet are thy words unto my taste, yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Okay, what is this? In, in David's day, they didn't have a cold stones or a candy store or anything. The best thing that you could get, uh, the best treat that you could have was honey to your mouth. And that's what David's saying, man, I'd rather spend time reading God's word than going to cold stones than eating candy because I love God's word. Why? Because it gives me satisfaction. Some of you guys say, I, could, I don't see how that is possible, how someone would want to read God's Word other, more than maybe going to cold stones. Listen, there are so many things in this world that will bring you temporary satisfaction. God can fill your heart with true joy and true satisfaction. And David says, look, after I spend time in God's Word, I don't need anything else. Some of you guys think, man, I need a new pair of cleats. I need this, I need this new video game, I need this new pair of clothes, girls, I need this dress or that type of makeup or whatever it may be. Read God's Word and you'll find satisfaction. 
you'll find satisfaction. Things will be put into perspective. What else do we know? Read God's Word, verse number 104. Read it to get discernment. Read it to get discernment. Verse 104. Thou through thy precepts, I uh, through thy precepts I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. Listen. God's word gives us a discernment to understand. Yeah, that's bad, and that's good. And and you, teenagers, and I've been there before, are historically uh, undiscerning people apart from God's word. Something can be said, something can be done that is uh, sinful and wrong, and without the discernment from God's word, a lot of people don't even realize that. We can allow things into our life that we think are okay. Look it. When you are in God's word regularly, you'll be able to identify, oh, maybe that's not the best thing for me right now. Before someone even preaches on it or mentions it in chapel or in teen Bible study. Because you've read God's word and you've gotten discernment. You understand, uh, like Solomon did, to be able to understand between right and evil. Read God's word and you'll gain discernment. A lot of times we spend so much time asking our parents, what's wrong with this? Why can't we do this? And really, if we had a biblical perspective on things, uh, we'd see what was wrong with it. We'd see what maybe wasn't right with it. So read God's Word to get discernment. How else should we read God's Word? Read God's Word to get direction. Thy Word, the Bible says, is a lamp to my feet and a light unto my path. In biblical times, they didn't have any any, uh, street lights. So everyone carried a lamp post. And wherever your lamppost was, that's where you followed. And the Bible says that God's word is a light unto your path. If you're searching for direction in your life, God is giving us direction for our life. Direction for our life. God gives us direction for our life. So that is why we should read God's word. Because he says his, his word is a lamp unto our feet. So now, secondly, how can you get the most out of what you read? Now this is where we shift gears. and This is a little bit more practical. How can we get how can we get the most out of what I've read? Now how many of you guys, be honest, how many of you guys ever read a passage of scripture and you're like, I don't even know what that just meant, you know? Ever been there before? I'm there like all the time. I don't even know what that means. I have to grab a commentary to figure out what that means. How do you get the most out of what you read? Well, first of all, there's, here's the process. Very simply. First of all, the first step is observation. Observe. What did I see? Ask yourself, what did I see in this passage? Is there a historical truth? Is there a scientific truth? Is there a spiritual truth? Ask yourself, what did I read in this passage? When I was in high school, uh, probably about ninth or 10th grade, some of the upperclassmen students started, some of the upperclassmen students started a a prayer time in the morning. And in the morning, they they would... Invite everyone, say, you want to come to prayer in the morning before school? It's in modular C. So we go in there. And I went because my parents dropped us off early at school, and Danielle wanted to go. And so I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go. We got there at the same time, and I felt really bad if we got there early enough for the prayer meeting, and I didn't go. But honestly, one thing about the prayer meeting terrified me. Because every time we go in there, whoever led it would, would, would kind of go around the room, and they'd say, and he'd just do this randomly to certain people. And this was a student. And he'd say, okay, you know, let's have a word of prayer. Anyone have any prayer requests? You know, I try to think of a prayer request, you know. Um, you know, 
pray for this or pray for that. And then, then the thing that he did that terrified me and made me not want to ever go to this meeting in the morning, he's like, let's talk about what we learned in our devotions. And he's just like, pick on people. What did you learn? What did you learn? I'm like, oh, man, I got so scared because I could actually go into the meeting. I'm like, I'm going. He's going to ask me. And I'd read a whole passage. and like, what did I learn? I don't even know what I learned. You know, I don't, I don't understand this. Like, I read it, but what did I learn? I have no idea what I learned. Have you guys honestly ever been there before? It's like, I just read this. I don't know what I learned. And so I remember I was searching, trying to find a passage, and I found uh, Proverbs, I think this is the right one, Proverbs 11, 11, 14. talks about how in the multitudes of counselors there is safety. I'm like, okay, that's going to be my devotion. So I went there like every day, and if, if he called on me, that was my devotion. And, and, and I always had it ready. It didn't matter what day it was. If he called on me, I was going to say, ah, oh, today I read Proverbs eleven fourteen. You know, in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. And actually, I wouldn't be lying because every day before I walked in there, I went and turned to Proverbs eleven fourteen just to make sure I had the reference right and make sure that was still there. Because sometimes I could read God's word and it's like, man, what did I get out of that? And, and you guys have been there before and, and I still get stuck in these places. So hopefully this will help you a little bit. How can you get the most out of what you read? First of all, observe. What did I see? What did I observe in this passage? The second thing, um, and actually, here's, here's a process, and this is in your notes. And this is a, a, a acrostic for specs, like spectacles or glasses, okay? Uh, are there any, first of all, letter S, are there any sins to forsake? In this passage, ask yourself, is there anything, any sins to forsake? Is there anything that the Bible tells me here that I should not, do. Set no wicked thing before my eyes. That is a sin to forsake um, or to confess. Next, letter P. Are there any promises to claim for yourself or to others? Is there a promise in the God's word to claim? Letter E. Are there any examples to follow or not to follow? Now this, the Bible is plenteous with great examples of people that did great things and people that did bad things of people that even did great things at particular parts of their life and did bad things at other parts of their life. And, and God's Word gives us these examples to learn from them. Let us see. Are there any commands to obey? Is there anything specifically God's, God says, do this or don't do this? Okay, God's commandments are found all throughout Scripture, not simply uh, just the Ten Commandments. There's tons of commandments found throughout the Bible. And then, Finally, are there any significant truths? Are there any significant truths about God? You might read a passage, and it might talk about how God is immutable. He never changes. Or God is uh, all-knowing. He, he is, he is all-present. And, and it may not, there might not be a particular story, or there might not be a particular sin being addressed, but there's this significant truth that you need to get a hold of. So ask yourself, are there any... Sins to confess, promises to claim, examples to follow, commands to obey, or significant truths about God that we could stop and pause and worship God for. Turn real quick, Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. One of the hardest things for me in, in preparing for a teen Bible study is this, figuring out what I'm going to speak on. Um, if, I, if someone ever gives me a topic, I like that because then I don't have to worry about it. So I was thinking, actually, uh, the first part of the week, I thought I was going to give a lesson out of Ephesians 6, so I started to study Ephesians 6. But I want you to turn there in your Bible, and we're going we're gonna to put this process uh, 
to test here. First of all, are there any sins to confess? Okay? Are there any sins to confess? Actually, let's just start reading verse number one. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. This is right. What does that sound like? That sounds like a command to obey, which is the first commandment. Oh, it even tells us that with promise. Then it says this, that it may be well with thee and thou mayest live long on the earth. What's that? That's a promise. They're in the same passage. Not, not, not every passage is going to have a promise. Not every, you guys, if you're going to read the Bible, don't start in like Leviticus. Okay, just don't even do that. Uh, you're going you're gonna to frustrate yourself. Not every passage has an awesome story with an epic ending and an epic battle. But as you read God's word, it comes together. You see some of these amazing things. So we see that there's a command. Here's, here's another thing. Verse number 11. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able, be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. That sounds like another command. And if you think of that, that's something that you can read through. And like, okay, put on the whole armor of God. But no, no, no. God is telling you, put on the armor of God. The armor that I gave you. Not make up the armor. Put on the armor of God. So that's another command to follow. Number, verse number 18. Praying always with all prayer and supplication. There's a command to follow. Verse number Six talks about not with eye service as men pleasers, but as servants of Christ. And, and maybe you've been living in a way where you're doing the right things just as an eye service. And the Bible says don't do that. That might be a sin to confess. Sometimes the sins are more obvious than others. And then, and then throughout the Bible there are significant truths about God. Here's a significant truth in verse number 20. For, I, for which I am an ambassador in bonds that therein I might speak boldly as I ought to speak. And here is the fact that we are an ambassador for Jesus Christ is a significant truth. That's something that you can just stop and think about for a while because that's pretty awesome. And then there's, there are examples, even Paul who wrote this, uh, there's an example, um, Tychicus in verse number 21, an example to follow. Uh, so there are examples to follow. Are there any examples to follow? So, Observe, how do we get the most out of our scripture reading? Observation. Second, how can we get the most out of our scripture reading? Interpretation. Interpretation. What does this mean? Okay, this is where sometimes it'll take a minute. Interpretation. What does this mean? Um, now, let me, t- let me give you a little secret here. If you, if you get stumped on something, uh, the Bible says, how many of you guys heard the verse? That um, talks about uh, not serving God and mammon. Ever heard that? I always thought it was God and man, and I thought, what's mammon? You know, that doesn't. Maybe it's a typo in the Bible. You know, maybe maybe whoever wrote that verse was falling asleep when he wrote. Uh, and then I thought, well, maybe it's just a word that means man, because in my mind I thought, yeah, it means man. And uh, and that I've always thought that like my whole life. And just a couple weeks ago. I was going to read it, and, and, and any time I've ever taught from that, or even I've preached before that, I'm like, you know, you cannot serve God and mammon. I always read it real quick, because I'm like, I have no idea what that means, but I'm going to read it. You can't serve God and mammon. And then I looked it up. It's, it was a Greek god, the Greek god of wealth. I learned it up. Now, let me, here's the hint. If you ever get stuck on something, and you're like, what does this even mean? Look it up. When I was in seventh grade, and I, and I started preaching for fine arts, when I started preaching for fine arts, uh, I get so stumped, and back in back in that time, there wasn't the internet wasn't readily available. There wasn't uh, study programs that we have on our on our computers now. And the only way to figure this out is like we had one book that our whole classroom shared, 
And so we'd always pass this, this con- concordance of Bible words around just to figure out what things meant. But we have such awesome resources available to us. If you get stumped, stumped ask yourself, what does it mean? In- interpretation, what does it mean? Thirdly, and this is most important, application. How does this work? How does this work? Now, everyone, look up here, and we're, and we're done in just a few minutes. How does this work in my life? Ask yourself, God, how do I apply this to my life? What is the application here? You know what? Some preachers are really good at giving. Here's an application. Here's a way can you apply it. Here's what God says about sin, and here's something you can take home and, and do about that. That's the application. Uh, sometimes the applications aren't obvious. Sometimes they're not obvious in a message. And sometimes as you read God's word, you have to really stop and ask yourself, God, what are you saying here? What do you want me to change in this passage? What in your word is speaking to me? How do you want me to respond? As we observe when we interpret, yeah, that, that helps us gain knowledge, but it's not just so we can get puffed up in our knowledge and, oh, I know what that means. I know what mammon means. I'm on the end, end club. No, it's how does this work? How does this work in my life? So, observation, interpretation, application. How does it work? Lastly, how, how can we make this happen? How can we make this happen? Now look up here. Here's who I'm speaking to. I'm speaking to those who've tried before. You say, Brother Chapel, I've tried. I've tried to read my Bible. I made a decision at teen camp. I'm telling you, my hand is raised. There are so many times where I don't do well in this area. And sometimes my Bible reading is simply like, okay, what can, I, what can I teach in Sunday school? Or what can I get out of this? And one day I can teach it. And sometimes I don't read it even as I should to, to pull truth out from my life. But if you're at the point where you're like, okay, I've tried this before. How can I make this happen? Like this time for real, God, how can I, how can I make it a practice of reading God's word? Okay, first of all, Get a time. Get a time. This will help you. Get a time. You say, I'm not a morning person. Neither am I. I'm not a morning person at all. Read your Bible at night if you have to. Read it on your lunch break if you have to. You, everyone does something first thing in the morning. Okay, Even if, even if you don't get up right away, there's, there's, there's that one thing that you do that's always your first thing, getting ready, going to school, maybe even in the car on the way to school. How can you make this happen? What would we say first of all? Get a time. Secondly, get a place. Get a place. Get a time. Get a place. You say, I got lots of brothers and sisters. They're loud and they don't respect my privacy. I share a room. Get a place. If you have to get a place outside, that's great. If you have to find a closet or go to the garage or, or, or sit on the top of your stairwell. I don't know where it may be, but get a place. Get a time. Get a place. I think of Daniel in the Bible. Uh, Daniel chapter 6, verse 10. You don't have to turn there, but this is after there was a decree that says, don't pray anymore in my name. What does it say Daniel did? It said he went to the same place at the same time, and he opened up his windows, and he prayed to God as he did aforetime. He had a time. Get a place. Uh, this will help you guys. Get a time, get a place. Thirdly, get a time, get a place, get a plan. Get a time, get a place, get a plan. I, I have with us, and we'll pass these out as you guys leave. I got a Bible reading plan, okay? 
Um, I remember when I was in, in elementary school, they used, to, they used to hand these out every year at the watch night service or the vision night service. I used to be so excited about reading and starting my plan. I'd read like three or four days in one night. And I'd be so tired, I'd forget the next day to keep on reading. But get a plan. There's so many plans available. So how can make this happen? How can we make this step? Get a, get a time, get a place, get a plan. I want to say two last things will be done. How can you make this stick? Two things. First of all, personalize your Bible. Personalize your Bible. If God speaks to you, mark it in your Bible. Say, you know, I don't want to mark my Bible. Then don't mark your Bible. But I'm telling you, this has helped me. If God, because what happens is you'll, you'll come across another truth. And God will show you something again, remind you of something. So personalize it. Secondly, how do you make it sit? Personalize it, then memorize your Bible. If God shows you a, a significant truth through a verse, memorize it. How can you make it stick? Personalize it, memorize it. Thank you for listening to this Student Ministry 127 podcast. For more sermon resources, visit preaching.lancasterbaptist.org. And for information about West Coast Baptist College, visit wcbc.edu.